Hey, come on, go church family. How you feel today? Let's go. Hey, your Bible says this is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Come on, can we put our hands together? Be glad in the day. Even though it's a little rainy outside, God is good to us. Looking around this room, this is a good looking group. Come on, look at somebody and say, you're looking good today. It's all right if you lie to them. Come on, it's all right. It's be you're looking good today. You're at our South Metro Atlantic campus, our broadcast campus. And it's a joy to have all of you here today. From this room, we live stream our gatherings to our Westside Atlantic campus, our Montgomery County, Maryland campus. They're 700 miles from here. It's raining in Maryland too. So whatever campus you're a part of, we greet you today. Everybody watching online, whoever you are, wherever you're watching from, we say God bless you. All right, go church family, every campus, every location. Can we put our hands together? Greet one another like the family of God. Come on, let's do that. Well, good. Take a moment, honor all of the men and women serving in the military, veterans of the military, active duty, all of our first responders. We are better because of you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your sacrifice. We just wanna show you some love. So if that's you, would you put your hand up? Military men, women, veterans, active duty, first responders, every campus. Come on, take your volume of appreciation up a notch. Come on, so many hands. Hey, five more seconds. God bless you, God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, come on, let's go. Good. It has been a dynamic weekend here at Go Church, and all the women of God said amen. It's, uh, it's, been, a, it's been a ladies takeover at Go Church. They've had You Go Girl, and that's how you gotta say it right there with a little, little something to it, You Go Girl weekend. It has just been exceptional. Over 500 women participated in You Go Girl here at Go Church this weekend. And so we just celebrate everything that God has done through You Go Girl. Let's give honor where honor is due. The first lady of the house, Pastor Kimberly, girl, none like you, love you. All these ladies get a You Go Girl, but you get a My Go Girl. You know what I'm saying? I love you. I'm proud of you. Your lead team that has helped you put on an exceptional weekend at all of the campuses, all of the staff that served. And then there was an army of men that were here all weekend. And listen, it's about time I seen a man with a vacuum. Come on, ladies. About time these men were cleaning, pulling their weight. But thank you to the men that served. It was a tremendous weekend. And honoring women does not stop. And so in two weeks from today, it's Mother's Day. Come on now. So get on Amazon, get your mama a gift. It's a great day to celebrate them. Some of you whose mother has transitioned from this side of heaven and now in eternity with the Lord, you know the grief of not having a mama. Some of you may not have a highly intentional or healthy relationship with your mom. And so that dynamic is unique. But the Bible says this, it's one of the 10 commandments, to honor your mother and father. As a matter of fact, it's the first commandment with a promise attached that if you honor your mother, you'll get a long life. And my mom always told me that the reason behind that was is because if I didn't honor her, she'd take my life. Come on, somebody. 
So honor your moms and at Go Church, we're gonna do the same. We have April Osteen Simons who will be in the house. This is true, this is Joel Osteen's sister. She's got a great ministry, great anointing, great teacher and preacher. So she'll be here on Mother's Day at Go Church. We got a gift for all the mamas. We're gonna celebrate all you ladies. So make sure that you're here this weekend. It's gonna be a great, great Mother's Day weekend, all right? Let's get into the series that we're doing called Binge the Bible. As a matter of fact, we're gonna do season one now. We'll come back this summer, do season two. So we're calling each week in this Binge the Bible you know, series, episodes one, two, three, four. So today is Binge the Bible, season one, episode three. You kind of get the familiarity of that with your binging of your Netflix shows. Come on, just own that in church. And so I've been challenging you over the last couple of Sundays that there's not an important area of discipline to binge than quality time with the Lord, getting into the Word of God. And so today I want to give you the third conversation, episode three in Binge the Bible. And uh, I want to challenge you, take some notes. Every campus we provide in a seat back near you, a message note card. You can take that out. There's a pen. You can have that pen. God bless you. If you're going to use your journal, access that now. If you're using your smartphone for notes, which I encourage that, just turn it on airplane mode so you don't get distracted about what your lunch plans are going to be. But I want everybody to take notes today. If you've missed any week in this series, go back online. Go to the old YouTube, listen to the podcast, go to mikegochurch.com, check out the previous weeks. This has been a powerful series. And I think today, although it's a lot more teaching, this week I'm going to teach to you, next week I'm going to yell at you. Is that all right? A lot of teaching today, a lot of practicals today. I really truly believe this has the potential, because it is God's Word, but this has the potential to change uh, your spiritual life, uh, the trajectory of your family for generations to come. And so I wanna challenge you today to lean in, all right? Let's pray together, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're new to Go Church, I always like to take about 10 seconds before we get into the word, create a moment of just focus, a meditation, if you will, just honoring the Lord in this moment. You've had a busy week. You'll most likely have an upcoming busy week. And so to take these moments to say, Lord, in the next 35 minutes, as we hear the word of God, let your word penetrate to my heart. I don't wanna be distracted. I'm here, so I wanna be here. I wanna hear what you have to say. So open my, my heart, my mind, my thinking, and speak to me 10 seconds, and then I'll pray for us. Thank you, Jesus. God, you know what my prayer has been all week long leading up to today. That at Go Church, at every campus, you would fill every auditorium with your presence, with your power, and with your people. So today is not about JC standing on a stage and trying to impress a group of individuals. As a matter of fact, I echo the words of the Apostle Paul that he told the church at Corinth, for I do not preach with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. And I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would rest on me and that this message today would bring you glory and bring you honor and it would lift you up. As a matter of fact, your word tells us that when we lift you up, you draw the people to you. And so we've all come here today with different needs and you are the only one that can meet all of those needs. And so we lean into the Holy Spirit today 
Speak, Lord, and we will listen. So open up those ears, open up those spiritual eyes, open up our heart and let this word, the seed of your word be deposited in the soil of our heart and we'll give you all of the glory in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the whole church family said amen and amen. Let's go five seconds giving King Jesus the best praise you've got. Come on. Oh, come on, somebody shout thanksgiving to the Lord. Thank you. Last couple of weeks, I've tried to introduce uh, the conversation with some interesting facts about the Bible. I won't retell the interesting facts from the previous weeks. I'm gonna give you some new ones today. But again, if you missed those, go back and uh, take a listen. Some interesting facts today about Scripture. Some of these you may know, some of these you may not know. Let's start with this one. Uh, I, I do think that for many of us, this isn't a criticism, it's more of a challenge, but oftentimes we take the Word of God for granted here in America. We have a lot of Bibles at our disposal. We have access to a lot of scripture, even the availability of translations on our smartphone. But there are still many tribes around the globe that don't have even a fragment of the New Testament translated in their language, in their native tongue. And so it's easy for you and I to take the Bible for granted, but there have been people that have come before us that have helped to give us access to the scripture that maybe we've taken for granted. As a matter of fact, here's the first interesting fact. If you go back to a guy named William Tyndale, he produced the first printed edition of the New Testament in English. And I don't know if you know this or not, but he was later burned at the stake for his efforts. Thank God for men and women that put their life on the line so that the word of God could go forward. Can I get an amen there? All right, let me give you another one here. Let's change gears. That's a little heavy. How many of you are animal lovers? You love an animal. Come on, let me see your hand. A little pookie. Anybody got a little pookie in your family? In your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, there are 125 animals that are named. 125 animals that are named. Now, the dog, can I get a go dogs, by the way? Come on, let's go. I'm sorry, I gotta get back in the spirit. Get back in the spirit. They're just super anointed. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. Dog is in the Bible 42 times. 125 animals. Dog is in the Bible 42 times. Proverbs says that all dogs go to heaven. Okay, that's not true. I'm so sorry. It's just not true. I don't, I don't. But watch this. Now, if you've been at Go Church for a while, you know this about Pastor JC, that I have a deep passion of hatred for the house cat. Come on, how many of you know? And now, I know a lot of you love cats, and that's a little bit of why you need counseling. It's what makes you so crazy. Who would genuinely love an animal that gives you sarcasm and criticism and a stank eye? No, no, no. When I come home from a hard day, I've had enough people give me the third degree. I don't want to come home and have some cat be like, give me a dog that will lick me hello. Can I get an amen? A little cat, like, all sass. I want to be loved. Give me man's best friend. Not some cat from the pit of hell. The Bible mentions dogs 42 times, but not one time in the Bible is a house cat mentioned. How about take that cat to the vet, put it to sleep? I'm just kidding. I'm just, seriously, I'm half kidding. Let me give you another one here. Longest word in the Bible, longest word in the Bible. It's also a name. I'll show you the name and then I'll help you with this. I, I went through some of these with uh, Lakeland in London yesterday. Uh, our, our children, Lake is 13, London is eight. So I asked both of them uh, separately what they thought the longest word in the Bible was. 
and I gave them a hint that the longest word is a name. So I asked London first, I said, baby girl, she's eight years old, what, what's the longest name in the Bible? She's like, that's easy, Jesus. <laughs> so that's close, but no. And I asked Lakeland, I said, what do you think? He said, I don't know, Methuselah. He's pretty smart, but he's wrong too. Here's the word, it's the name, and I'm gonna help you with this, by the way, I'm gonna help you with this. Here's how you say it, and then I'm going to have you repeat it. You ready? This is how you say it. Mahir Shalal Hashbaz. He's one of the sons of the prophet Isaiah. Mahir Shalal Hashbaz. You ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Mahir Shalal Hashbaz. Do it again. One, two, three. Mahir Shalal Hashbaz. One more time. One, two, three. Mahir Shalal. I just wanted a Methodist to know what it felt like to speak in tongues. How's that feel? (laughs) Mahir Shalal Hashbaz. You did it. <laughs> All right, there. I heard somebody in the back say, uh, my hair shallow marshmallow. That's close. <laughs> my hair shallow hushbuzz. Let me give you one more. There's an entire book of the Bible that settles the debate between husbands and wives on who should make coffee every morning. It's the book of Hebrews. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Why would you go to another church? What are you looking for? I mean, what are you looking for? You know how long it takes to come up with stuff like this? This is brilliant. Now, it's a lie. But it's good, Hebrews, come on. Just trying to help you out. I told you this last Sunday, but let me, get, let me break this down for you. The Bible is actually a compendium of 66 books. You have 39 books that make up your Old Testament, 27 books that make up the New Testament. If you look at the KJV translation, King James Version, which we'll talk about in just a few minutes, there are 1,189 chapters with 31,102 verses. I read this in preparation of today that it, it will take you less time to read the Bible from cover to cover than it will to read the Game of Thrones. Interesting. Now, I don't know if this is true, but they say mathematically, if you take 1,189 chapters with 31,102 words, divide it mathematically right down the middle, you land on Psalm 118, verse 8, that says, it is better to put your confidence in God than to put your trust in a man. That'll preach whether it's the middle of the Bible mathematically or not. 40 different writers wrote the Bible. These were prophets, poets, priests, farmers, fishermen, kings. They they wrote from caves, palaces, dungeons, prisons, ships, deserts. And they wrote the scripture over 15 centuries. They wrote in Hebrew, Aramaic and Greek on the continents of Asia, Africa, and Europe. So when I, when I think about how the, the Bible, which is the Holy Bible, because it is the only book that is truly set apart, anointed by God, the question that I asked you last Sunday that I'll just revisit for a moment is, how, how did they all come up with the same story? 40 different authors, three different languages, three different continents, 1,500 years. How did they all come up with the continuity and the harmony of Scripture? Well, it was man that held the pen, but it was God who wrote the Word. See, God is the author of the Bible. 2 Timothy says that, that all Scripture is God-breathed. And the main subject of the Bible is Jesus John 5, 39, read it for yourself. That verse says that all of the verses of the Bible point back to Jesus. Anybody thankful for Jesus? And the verb of the Bible, the action of the Bible is give. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. 
right? So we see the verb is give. 1 John 3.16 says that this is how we know what love is. That Jesus laid down his life for us, gave up his life for us, so we ought to lay down our lives for others. I want you to think about this because this Bible that's been set apart by God that you have access, daily access to, the same Holy Spirit that inspired the writers to write is the same Holy Spirit that will inspire you as you read. See, your Bible is alive and active. And I say it like this often, that you think you're reading the Bible, but the Bible is actually reading you. The Bible is a mirror and it reflects the true you within you. And it also shows you who God is and his love for you and the person of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And the revelation of the word demonstrates to us grace and mercy, salvation and sanctification. When you read the scripture, have you ever picked up the Bible in whatever season of life you've been going through and God just spoke something to you? Come on, has that been anybody? How is that? Again, because the Holy Spirit that inspired those writers to write is the same Holy Spirit that is inspiring you as you read. I don't wanna get ahead of my, my thoughts here, but as you study scripture, one of the most spiritual and practical things that you should do before you ever begin to read is ask in prayer that the Holy Spirit reveal something in that word to you. And he will. He will reveal something to you that can change you from the inside out. And that's really what I wanna talk about today for the, the next few minutes that we have together. I wanna try to help you study the Bible. And I don't know if you've ever done this, so I'll just talk about me for a moment. And I hope that my humanity and vulnerability and honesty is okay with you, but there have been times where I've tried to read the Bible and I've been confused where I felt overwhelmed. There's been times I didn't have a lot of energy to be disciplined to read the Bible. There's been times that I've tried to get into scripture and every word I read is like, my here shall I hashbaz. I'm like, what is going on? Have you ever felt that way, lost or confused? Overwhelmed, don't know where to start. I read a bunch and I'm more lost now than I was before I began. And one of the constant challenges that I hear people present to me at least in their attempt to study the Bible is their lack of understanding of how the Bible is laid out. They understand that it's Genesis to Revelation 66 books, but because of the way that the books of the Bible are grouped together or the way that they're categorized challenges people because the Bible's not written chronologically. And so you can read the Bible on one day and then a few days later in a different book, in a different chapter, in a different verse, you feel like you're reading the same thing that you read just a few days ago. And people get really frustrated in the process or in the grind of the discipline of studying scripture. So let me help you today. Let me lay out for you in a few minutes all 66 books of the Bible and the way that they're categorized. Now, some years ago, I showed you this, but this is worth repetition, by the way. It's worth seeing again, even if you know it. And if you know it, you'll be encouraged by the reminder. If you don't know it, you gotta take pictures, you gotta write it down, because this is going to profoundly change the way that you study the Bible. Once you know how the books are organized and categorized, it will change everything as you jump into scripture. Please take notes, you ready? Here we go. The first five books of the Bible are known as the law books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, 
Deuteronomy. Why are they called the law books? Well, they're called the law books because in the Hebrew, the first five books of the Bible are known as the Torah, T-O-R-A-H. The Torah simply means the law. Now, when you read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you are going to read stories, but you'll also read rules and law. You'll read stories of creation. You'll read the story of the flood. You'll read the stories of the exodus of the children of God as Moses led them out of bondage under slavery of the Egyptian ruler named Pharaoh. So when you read these stories, they'll be there, but there will also be the law. If you go back and study, you'll see that the children of Israel, when they were camped around Mount Sinai, God gave most of the law to Moses, including the Ten Commandments. That's why sometimes you'll hear this phrase, the Mosaic law. Why? Because God gave a lot of the law to Moses to give to the children of Israel. Once you conclude with the book of Deuteronomy, then you get into the history books. There are 12 history books in your Bible. These start with Joshua and they end in the book of Esther. Now, these books are incredibly important historical documents. There are five major events that every single person should know about in the history of humanity that happen in these historical books. I'm gonna give you all five because I wanna encourage you to go read about them. You'll also learn about people like Joshua and like Esther. But most notably of all of the significant biblical personalities in these history books, you'll learn a lot about King David. Then we get into the poetry books. There are five of them. You have the book of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. They're called poetry books because they're written in poetic form. Like when you read the book of Job, you'll read things like, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When you get into Psalms, if I'm not mistaken, so if I mess up a little bit here, give me some grace. But from Genesis to Revelation, there are 185 songs, S-O-N-G-S, singing songs in the Bible. Over 150 of the 185 are found in the book of Psalms. And a lot of these Psalms are Psalms that they would sing. And, and the Psalmist David was the writer of a lot of these Psalms. If you look at the book of Proverbs, it was poetic. Uh, there's a proverb, although it's not a biblical proverb, but there is a proverb that says, a proverb a day keeps the devil away. That'll preach right there. Come on. Look at somebody and say, you need to keep the devil away because you've been acting a fool. Go ahead and tell them. Let them know for a minute. Why is that a good proverb? Because there are 31 proverbs in the book of Proverbs. So there's one proverb for every day of the month. So this is a book of wisdom. You get into the poetry book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 1, 2. Vanity, vanity. What is life? And then watch. And I know we got children in the room, so I'll be careful, but this is why you should check them in to go, kids. Song of Solomon, muy caliente. I'm just gonna say it like that. Saucy. Then you get into the prophecy books. 17 prophecy books. Five major prophets, 12 minor prophets. Five major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. The 12 minor prophets compared to the major prophets is not because of significance or lack thereof. 
The difference of major prophet and minor prophet has solely to do with the length of the prophecy. Does that make sense? And that takes us to the very last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, which if you read the final verse of Malachi, it is a gut wrench before there is 400 years of silence. Now a lot happens during the 400 years, but God speaks not one word in 400 years. Now, the Old Testament ends in Malachi, the New Testament begins in Matthew. Old Testament, New Testament, and the 400 years of silence, this is known as the intertestimonial period where God doesn't speak, but history happens. It's where we learn about the Greek conquest and Alexander the Great or the Roman conquest. And then at the end of 400 years, and when I... When I tap this screen, for those of you who are new, I can, this, is, this is not like a magical television. I touch it with one finger, it advances forward, two fingers go backwards. When I touch the screen, the next thing you see, every campus ought to erupt in thanksgiving and appreciation. Because after the 400 years of silence, Jesus shows up. Come on. Oh, I need 100 people to clap who's thankful to Jesus. Come on. Jesus arrives on the scene, and now you get into the Gospels, four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these are not four different stories about Jesus. This is one story written from four different perspectives about Jesus, about the virgin birth and his life and his ministry, his crucifixion, his death, his resurrection, and so we get into the New Testament with the Gospels. And then after the book of John comes the book of Acts. And this is a crucial, crucial book within the Bible, especially in the New Testament, because it's here that we learn about, about the day of Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's here that we see the birthday of the New Testament church. It's here in Acts chapter 8 when the disciples were preaching the gospel, but they, they were fearful of what the outcome of their life would be. So Acts chapter eight, verse number one, we see the stoning of Stephen. And I'm not talking about stoning like, you know, Colorado stoning. Like I'm talking about, this is a tough crowd, man. I'm talking about literal stones. They picked up stones and they stoned Stephen. They killed Stephen. And watch this, from that very moment until right here today, the Greek word is diaspora, that God has been scattering diaspora, the believers, to the ends of the earth. And Acts says that Christ has been adding to the church ever since. So if you're a, a VIP here at Go Church, you've just been scattered into this family. God sent you and he set you up to be a part of this crazy dysfunctional group called Go Church. And everybody said a good amen. It's the historical record of the first church. Then we get into the epistles. Chris Hodges says it this way. The epistles are not the wives of the apostles. It's just letters. That's all the epistles are, 21 of them. From the book of Romans to Jude. And these letters were written to the churches that were planted during the time of the New Testament church being birthed the scattering of the disciples into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the age. And so these church planters wrote letters back to their congregation to teach them about the way of Christianity, to teach them about how they should behave as a Christ follower, how they should live 
as a woman of God or as a man of God. And some of you might be thinking, well, it'd be great if we had a letter. We do. And it's the Bible. And this is our doctrine. This is where we get our Christian morals and ethics and values and beliefs from. And let me, let me just unbutton my red coat for one minute. Because we're living in a culture and a society that is moving more and more away from the things of God. And people are running on how they feel about certain topics. As a believer, you don't get to pick and choose how you feel about certain topics. God has already laid down his word and we stand on the authority of God's word, not man's word, not your word, not my word, but God's word. Can I get 50 people to agree with that? This is why you gotta know the word. Because if you know the word, his word will set you free. So as society shifts and moves and goes whichever way the wind blows, you can stand firm in your conviction of the holy word of God because God's word will guide us, guard us, and sustain us. Can I get somebody to help me preach? Hey, let me tell you, at Go Church, we're always gonna preach the Bible. I'm not coming with my own agenda. I'm not trying to build my own kingdom or my own platform. We're gonna preach the B-I-B-L-E, come on. Forgive me. (laughs) Then we get to Revelation. Prophecy of the last days. Prophecy of end times. You know, when we did the survey at Easter, for those of you that were here, one of the questions that we asked was, pick one theme of discussion that you would like to hear a sermon on. And you'd only pick one because we really wanna get a temperature of of a theme that people wanna hear. Revelation, last days, end time, was the number one requested topic of a sermon. So in a few weeks, we're gonna take a week and talk about Revelation, end times, last days. And ladies and gentlemen, you just walked through all 66 books of the Bible. Can we thank God for his word? Come on. Now, in the last 15 minutes, let me give you some practical ways to study the Bible. Outside of, and it's not on the screen, but I wanna make sure you hear me again. Outside of praying that the Holy Spirit genuinely reveals truth to you as you read. I wanna equip you to study God's word. I don't want you to feel lost. I don't want you to feel confused. I want you to feel overwhelmed. I want you to have energy and passion about diving into the scripture. Potentially, we can talk more about this in a few minutes, but everybody's busy. Got a lot going. Life is busy, family is busy. There's extracurricular activities. You don't lack for nothing to do. But you make time for the things that you care about. But my heart for you is not that you just spend a a certain quantity of time in God's word and with God, but I want your quantity of time to be quality of time. See, because we learn about God, not just intellectually, but experientially. So I wanna challenge you to learn intellectually But how we really learn about God is how we experience him. So God's word for you is not just to inform you, but to transform you. And if you'll pick up your Bible, listen to me for a minute. If you'll pick up your Bible and be committed to reading it, God will transform you. And his word has the answers for every single thing that you're going through. 
I don't have to give you a laundry list of the storms that you've been through or you are going through, but God's word gives us hope and gives us peace. It's his word that will allow us to, to, to stand on just a rock, which is Christ Jesus, to be anchored in the middle of the storm. Listen to me. Don't take for granted the word of God. So when you read it, how can you get stuff from it? So these are very practical, but I think it'll be helpful. The first thing is this. You gotta get a Bible translation that you can understand and read. A lot of individuals, before they ever really even get started, they get out of their skis right here because they picked up a Bible and when they begin to read it, they're like, I don't understand any of it. And this is challenging because there are hundreds, if not thousands, of biblical translations available for us here in America. So how do I know that the one that I'm getting is even, you know, accurate and valid and true and right? Let me give you, let me break this down for you. There are three categories of, of translations of scripture. So if you're gonna, if you own a Bible, you can you can test this, or if you're gonna buy a new Bible, this will help you as well. So there are three areas. There's, there's formal equivalency. Any, any translation that falls under formal equivalency means that those translations were translated word for word. Let me say it like this. These are the most accurate translations of the Bible. So you have King James, New King James Version, the New American Standard Bible, or the ESV, the English Standard Version. Now, this has shifted over the last few years, but it's not uncommon that somebody will email or write in or even connect with somebody on team in the lobby about why we don't use the King James Version of the Bible here. You know, why are we using any of it? Because there's only one Bible, it's the King James Bible. And I get it because the KJV is one of the most accurate translations in the scripture. But I just want to encourage all of the KJVers who are like, die hard, KJV, it's the only way. Jesus wasn't born in England. If you, if you really want the most accurate translation, then where's your Hebrew Bible? You get what I'm saying? And why would you put somebody down when they're just trying to read the Bible? They're not a better hill to die on than what translation of the Bible do you read? Bless God, somebody's reading the Bible. I don't care if it's got pictures and he's like, hey, let them read it. Some of you are like, they got a Bible like that? No, I will read that Bible. As a matter of fact, if, if you want my personal preference, it's the NASB. This is my daily translation of scripture that I read. Um, I'd say 80 plus percent of the scripture that you see on the screen is the NASB. And not to compete translations, because all of these are formal equivalency, word for word, but the NASB is known to be the most accurate translation of all of the scripture. These are formal, formal rather, equivalency, translated word for word. Then you get functional equivalency. These aren't translated word for word, they're translated thought for thought. So again, these are accurate, but you may find some inaccuracy. There may be some inconsistencies. There may be some verses in a formal equivalency translation that are left out of a functional equivalency translation. Now why? Because they're not translated word for word, but rather thought for thought. This is like the NLT, good news, 
uh, today's English version or the NIV, which by the way, the NIV translation of the Bible is the most sold translation of scripture in all of the world and there's not even a close second. Then you get to paraphrasing. And this is not word for word and it's not thought for thought, it's paraphrasing the Bible. And this is a challenge because you are reading someone's interpretation of scripture and how they paraphrase it. Now, let me say this to you, especially those that are just beginning reading the scripture, I encourage you, dive into one of these. Grab the message or grab the living Bible, but also grab a formal or functional equivalency translation to compare what you're reading so that you're not just hearing what a human interpreter has to say, but you're hearing from the heart of God. As a matter of fact, the living Bible was written by Kenneth Taylor, and he didn't write it for profit or production. He wrote it for his children to understand. Is this, is this helping anybody? All right, this is a lot of teaching. Let's, let's get out of class. Let's have a little fun. Let me give you a phrase here that you're, you're familiar with, you're common with. It's not a Bible phrase, but I'll use this one phrase and all of these different types of translations to help you understand the difference of how they're written. So it's almost 11 o'clock on a Sunday. Lunchtime is near. Anybody hungry? Let me see your hand. True story. Anybody hungry? Okay. I don't have food. I just wanted to see who was hungry. Now, how do you tell somebody that you're hungry? How do you tell? Mother's Day's coming. It's you go girl weekend. It just feels right. How do you tell your mom that you're hungry? Well, to tell your mom that you're hungry in the message translation, you would say it this way. Mama, I'm hungry. How many of you felt something right there in your heart? Like you're like, that's me. That's me. The amplified version would say it this way. Mommy, I am hungry, famished, starving. How many of you have children like that? <laughs> you know. The NIV would say it this way. Mother, I am quite hungry. And then King James Version, here we go, you ready? Henceforth, let it be known unto thee, birth giver, that my belly consists of emptiness. Now, I don't care what kind of Bible you read, every one of you felt something with the King James Version. Because we've all been there. Birth giver! From thy womb, I die in vain from hunger. <laughs> you need Chick-fil-A. And them jokers are closed. Why God? <laughs> Henceforth, let it be known. <laughs> Listen, if I have said this phrase one time around the house this week, I have said it 300 times. One time, Kimberly looked at me, she was like, I'm not your birth giver, make your own sandwich. <laughs> oh, geez. Let's just pause right here. Is this good? Everybody good? Come on. Y'all ain't right. Second practical way, you need, you need a study Bible. You do, you need a study Bible even if you're just beginning the journey of scripture reading and, and study and meditation, you get a study Bible. And they're, they're not inexpensive. You maybe save up for some of them, although thank God for, for Amazon because you can get one fairly you know, affordable and, and, and get it pretty quickly. But let me say this about a study Bible. A study Bible is not necessarily a substitute to, to your, your personal Bible, it's a supplement because a study Bible has all kinds of extras in it. Now, not extra content, not extra blessings, come on. 
And when you get to heaven, I'll be like, well, I had a study Bible. Is my, my mansion bigger? No. But what you do get in a study Bible, all joking aside, is resources, maps, pictures, charts, graphs. There's a CFO that is nerding out right now. They're like, charts and graphs, I'm in. Right, and so you can take this study Bible and whenever you read something in your personal Bible that you're unsure about or unfamiliar with, you have access to a study Bible to take the context of that verse or that book or that chapter to a level of learning that you would never know otherwise. All kinds of study Bibles out there, but I'm just trying to help you today. That's all I'm trying to do. I'll give you like my top four recommendations of study Bibles. They'll make this larger on the screen potentially so that you can take a picture of it. Uh, the English Standard Version of the Study Bible is fantastic. I think all of these legitimate you can get on Amazon, by the way. The Life Application Study Bible is the number one selling study Bible that's out there. If you're new to the faith or you're new to Scripture, I, I suggest this NIV Starting Place Study Bible. Very, very helpful as you begin to engage in the Word of God. And then the last one is the 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 bottom right-hand corner is the Student Life Application Study Bible. So Kimberly and I bought this Bible for our son Lakeland in January when he turned 13 years old. And we get, it, was, it was emotional for me. It wasn't quite as emotional for him. I was hoping that he would like fall out in the spirit and like, oh, Father, you are so good to me. But anyway, we gave him the Bible and What's really great about this Bible, and I know some of you teenagers may tune this out, but I want parents and grandparents or guardians of, of teenagers or young kids to listen, is that this is a incredibly interactive Bible. It's brand new, just released in January of 2023. We actually had to give it to them a few days late because it wasn't even printed yet. At the top of every page is a little icon where if your teenager has a, a smartphone, they can access the filament app that comes with the Bible, they scan their camera over the app icon and all of the study Bible resources come to life on their phone. It's fantastic. I was so blown away by it, I got me one. And I'm telling you, I don't know how much our son is reading the Bible, we encourage him to do that. Um, we beat him if he doesn't, but I don't know. I'm just kidding. But yesterday I went through that list of interesting facts about the Bible, and he was like, keep going, give me some more. And I was like, all right. So I asked him a few more, and like Lakeland started getting, I was like, man, that's pretty impressive. So then I said, oh, I'll, I'll get one. I said, what's the very last word in the Bible? And he goes, that's easy, amen. Like, How'd you know that? He's like, I'm reading my Bible. It's like, you go, boy, come on. I'm going to go do the dishes and make me a sandwich, I'm hungry. So anyway, I hope this is helpful for you because you need a Bible, but you need a study Bible that will allow you to go again, like I said, to a, a different level of learning. All right, I'm running out of time. Let me give you a couple more thoughts. You gotta discover a solid Bible reading plan. This is why, let me, let me give you something that's relevant to what we're talking about, an illustration. This is why every January, tens of thousands of Americans go to the gym for a gym membership only to end that membership by the end of January because they walk into the gym, but they don't have a plan. They don't have a workout plan, they don't have a eating plan, so they stare at the weights. So you gotta have a plan. Plan will always equal progress. Can you say amen to that? So I'll, I'll help you with a couple thoughts on the plan, but 
there's so much access at your fingertips. You go to YouVersion. YouVersion is an app. You can find that through our My Go Church app. And they've got all kinds of plans, Bible reading plans for you. Husbands and wives that you can do a plan together. Families, single people, come on. Like any, any widow plan, you name it. Financial plans, leadership plans, all these plans on YouVersion. But you need a plan. And your plan doesn't just, don't miss this. Your plan doesn't just come with what you're supposed to be reading, but it comes with the decision to set aside time to do the plan. You're busy, you got a lot going, but you will always make time for what matters to you. So you've gotta create margin in your schedule or this will be nothing more than just a desire of your heart. But you've gotta have an action step with it that says, you know what? I'm gonna be intentional about spending time with God. And when I spend time with God, I want that time to be fruitful. That's what I'm trying to help you with. I want that time to be fruitful because I'm about to go to work with some crazy folk. I'm about to go to school with some lost people. I'm about to go into a real broken, hurting world so I need the word of God. Does this make sense? Here's a couple plans for you. We call it SOAP, scripture, observation, application, prayer. Just like you should take a shower every day, use soap every day. My Lord, that's a word for some teenager here. Thus saith the Lord, take a shower. You should wash in the word. What's the scripture that I read? Write it down. What do I observe from the scripture that I just read? Write it down. How do I apply what I observed from the scripture that I just read. And then Lord, here's my prayer today. Here's another plan. Just ask two questions with everything you read. What does this teach me about God? And then what does this teach me about how I should live? Does that make sense? Don't make your plan overly complicated. When you first learned how to swim, unless your family was this way, they didn't throw you in the deep end, you started in the shallow end. Some of you have PTSD from that story right now because you're like, no, they threw me in the deep end. But typically you start in the shallow and then you mature into the deep. So you don't have to overcomplicate your plan. Just say, all right, what did this teach me about you, God? And now what does this teach me about how I should live? Let me give you a few more practical tips. I'll pray for you. Watch this. You don't have to start in the beginning of the Bible. Some of you have read Genesis like 11 times. You know, I have, I have read, every year I read Genesis. You don't have to start in the beginning. Pick a book of the Bible and work through it. As a matter of fact, if you want my suggestion, start in the book of John, the gospel of John, the fourth gospel in the New Testament. Why? Because John was invited to an inner circle with Jesus that the other disciples weren't invited into. So his perspective and his writing is not only informative, but it's riveting because he was up close and personal with Jesus. Start in the book of John, 21 chapters, you can read it in 21 days, right? And then just read a little every day. It's not, don't, don't make this legalistic. It's not about how much time you're reading, it's about what God is speaking as you read. There have been moments in my day where I have read for five minutes and God has downloaded so much and I am fired up and I am ready to go. And there are other days where the Lord's like, if you would just sit for like five hours, because we got some work to do on you, boy. Don't, don't legalize the opportunity to spend time with God. God is not calling you to a religion. 
God is calling you to a relationship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's good, thank you. Final thing is this, get in move track. This is, move track at Go Church is like Sunday school. It's our way of helping equip you in your faith journey. On that Easter survey, so many of you said, we don't know what move track is, I don't know what it's about. It's a four-step discipleship pathway here at Go Church. It happens on the first four Sundays of every single month. So next Sunday, it's the first Sunday of the month. That means it's step one. And this is so perfect with the Binge the Bible series because next Sunday at every campus, we're gonna help you understand the gospel. We just wanna help you grow deeper in your faith walk and in your faith journey. I know today was teaching, but I hope that it's been a tremendous help to you. And I pray the Holy Spirit has taught you something. If you're with me today, can you say amen? Come on.